about build an environment of pursuing curiosity. You know who you are, who you really are. Like <laughs> you are listening to Everyday Educators on 1921 Radio. Everyday Educators, and we educate every day. Yeah, both my my homies. Okay. All right. Everyone can hear everybody. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so this is where the applause will come in. Woo, woo, woo. Wrap it up, turn it up. Hey. And welcome back, loved ones, to another wonderful episode of Everyday Educators. I am your host, Jeremy, with the always beautiful, always moisturized and melanated Miss Naomi. What up, Nay? What's up? How are you? I'm great. You know, I... I uh, it feels like so long ago that we recorded an episode because like we took off for Thanksgiving, and it's like I I miss my Saturday morning, you know, little fellowship hour, the hour of power, right? Yeah, I feel like I haven't talked to you at all, like even like through the week, like I feel like we've both been super busy. So yeah, 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 yeah. And Good so again, back. um, everyone listening, you know, thank you for joining on this journey with us. Uh, this is Everyday Educators. You can catch us every Saturday on 1921radio.com and anywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And that's Everyday Educators. And don't forget the S. Please hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, follow us on socials too. Same thing, Everyday Educators with an S. Um, so in preparing for today's show... I reflect on how sometimes I'm just looking for a little bit of inspiration or I might be in need of some laughter and maybe even a word of prayer, um, especially some like turn up music, you know, that I could listen to or to put in my reels. And there's one page on IG that never disappoints. <laughs> I met this uh, young lady a few years ago at uh a a conference black equity con and we've just been vibing and fellowship ever since um she is a visionary she is a founder she is a marketing guru and she is a baddie from va (laughs) today on the everyday educators podcast we have miss danielle unique mcelwin is that it mcelwin McEwen. Yes. McEwen from Unique Vision. Thanks, Danielle, for uh, joining us today. What's up? Thank you for having me. Yeah. Great intro. I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been too, it's been too long since, you know, we connected, right? Oh you gosh, know. know. Um, so to check in with everybody, right? Uh on the internet. You know, everybody has been posting their most listened to albums and songs and artists from the year. And so, uh, you know, what has been your fave from this year? What is living rent free in y'all's mind? Rent free living in my mind is a song called Big Levels. Mm. What is the, I forgot what the artist's name is. But I actually just used it to launch my Cyber Week experience. And so it's been in my head. Okay. okay. Yeah, I'm into it. Y'all have to look it up. Okay, you gotta check it out. What yeah. about you, Nay? What you been what you been vibing to this year? 
Um, I recently came across this song called You Are the Best Thing. One of my friends had it like in her wedding photos and it's like mm. a nice little little vibe. And I was like, oh, I like this song. So that's, um, it actually was stuck in my head yesterday. So when you say living rent free in your mm. head, it's like, yes. Yeah. That, that song is living there. Yes. So for me, like over the course of the year, it has been the uh, the In My Bed So So Death Mix mm. by Drew Hill. Like, it's just like such a bop. If you want to dance, I can make you dance, you know? Yes. But, like, this past month, honestly, what I've been listening to the most has been that Andre 3000 album. Like, ironically, I was hating on it at first. <laughs> I haven't I heard it. Na- that's what Nay made that face for. No, but like, when I'm working and when I'm sleeping, I could just like put it on repeat. Mm. And the flutes be getting me to where I need to be. So like three stacks giving us it's like giving us he gave us the medicine that we needed. Like not but not necessarily what we wanted. It's for sure. No. All mm-hmm. I can think about is all the memes. I don't know if y'all have seen the memes. It's like when guys listen to Andre Three Stacks album and it's like all these different Versions of these guys, like yeah, they like 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 he's spinning like uh, 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 like. But honestly, like no, like if I'm working, I put on some jazz or or some lo-fi, and then like I can just throw in that three stacks. You know who gets me through my workday since we're on music? Aretha Franklin. Really? Really? Mm Mm-hmm. That so when I'm in my office, I try not to play. Music that I'd be like, oh shit! Like if somebody comes in there, I'm like, oh my god, I gotta turn this off. Like if mm-hmm. I'm listening to something that isn't yeah. work friendly, I normally use headphones. But when I want to play like music through my speakers in my office, mm-hmm. I like almost always go for Aretha Franklin. Mm. Can't get I, mad at Riri. Yeah, we can't get <laughs> not not calling Auntie Riri. <laughs> mm. <laughs> she was the first Riri, the first one, okay. the original. The original, period. My um, I thought it was so funny when I saw the Apple like replay. I look like a Christian loving drug dealing gangster. My <laughs> it, it the mix is wild. Okay, Marvin mm-hmm. that this year has been giving it to me everything I need. He has a song called Undefeated, and that mm. song has been one of the like signature song things throughout my year it's just talking about how god is like undefeated like you know everybody talking about i think he says like lebron james or something no he says um everybody's talking about the goat and the goat is like god like y'all look at the song goats god is the goat and it has just been like my praise and worship ride or die in the morning setting the tone Mm -hmm. for the day having especially being an entrepreneurship you know you need to you gotta be, you know, you gotta mm-hmm. stick right up, okay? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. To get through it. And so that song, Undefeated, the words are just so powerful. They hit so hard. You guys have to check that song out too. Um, and then my rap song, the year has been defined by um, Moneybag Yo, Me Versus Me. So mm. that also has been a theme for my year as well. Really like, well, I'm not gonna go into my head spiel because I, you know. But um, you're you're guiding this one. But just just one of my biggest revelations this year is like nobody's in your way but you. 
Like when it comes to you trying to level up, when it comes to you trying to elevate, when it comes to you trying to evolve and get wherever, you know, God is calling you to be at, it's you. And as many times as you want to say as other people, as much credit and power as you want to give them, it's not. At the end of the day, it's you, your mind, your heart, your soul. Like there's things that we got to remove out of our way in order to get where we want to be. And it, it's really right here. So those mm. two definitely been. And oh. there you go, folks. Where else are you going to get the collab that you didn't know you needed? Money bag sap, right? Money bag sap. sap. You heard me? Right here on Everyday Educates Podcast. Um, So we're going to transition now into our first segment. Um, It's called Actual Factual, and it's where we talk about something going on in the news. So recently, the dog father. S-N-O-O-P-D-O-G, he made waves in the news that he was retiring his rolling papers and was no longer smoking weed, which sent waves through the cannabis community. And then I came across a think piece from Brother Teray via the Grio on this topic, Grio.com. Check it out. Um, as we have now come to learn, this was a marketing stunt. And Snoop is uh, endorsing Solo Stove, a smokeless stove company. Now, before this happened, have any of you heard, have either of you, excuse me, heard of Solo Stove? No. All right. Exactly. No. And uh, did you all think that he was really stopping smoking when you first, when you first heard it? Honestly, I've seen a wave of different like celebrities and influencers really using God in an interesting way. Mm. And so I could see if he was, you know, making some life changes or something like that. But of course, attached to like some sort of publicity thing. I'm a marketer and PR is my major. So Mm -hmm. I'm always like, okay, well, what's, what's, you know, what's the what's what's? So, yeah. Yeah, he did release a, a gospel album. So Snoop does have a gospel album, um, as well as a cookbook. Snoop got everything, whatever you need, one stop shopping. Which is why I thought it was true, because I was like, "You, what have you not done?" He, yeah. In an interview was talking about how he smoked in the White House before, so it's like maybe he just got to a point where he was like. You know what? I'm I'm done with this. I've smoked everyone on Earth. I've uh, <laughs> yeah. Mo- uh, from what I saw, most people thought he was like transitioning to edibles, like he oh. wasn't like. Oh. Um, but so Torre cited the genius behind the messaging, the messenger, and the methodology. You know, behind uh, this rollout, particularly now. That means people, including us, are now aware of this uh, little company, Solo, was it Solo Stove? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so so my question for you as two marketing experts, two marketing aficionados, because Naomi, if you don't know, Danielle, Nay has her background in marketing as well, marketing and comms. So as you know, you ladies are experts, um, what do you think about like some of the criticism that 
around uh, influencer authenticity and celebrities and brands kind of like misleading their supporters. What are your thoughts? And just to tie it in, do you think black influencers have a greater responsibility to their community or is it, you know, just simply like how the game is played? What y'all think? You want to start, Nick? No, go ahead. You're our guest. Okay. Um, so I recently, um, when I spoke at Content Marketing World, I recently shared with people like, we're manipulators. Marketing is manipulation. And um, I didn't think it was that profound at the time, but speaking to a bunch of different um, marketers from different levels, people were kind of like, oh my goodness, we really are. Like, but marketing is in public relations, all of it really, st advertising, I don't know if you agree, Nay, but it all really stems from like, you know, manipulation. And so for me personally, um, I've built my brands on teaching authentic marketing, using innovative solutions, as well as um, integrating like disruptive solutions into it as well. And so as I'm kind of looking and dissecting um, the strategy that they use, I respect the innovation. I respect the disruptive marketing tactics, but I'm never going to respect using inauthentic, uh, just being inauthentic. I don't think that that long term provides a sustainable kind of solution for brands. I'm just not into it. It's just I don't build my businesses on it, but I do respect the result that it's given because all publicity is publicity. So mm -hmm. on that side of the industry, like I respect it. it it's garnered the attention. We now know smokeless stovetop, <laughs> whatever the name of the company is. We know it. Um, and I believe they chose the right person. Why? Because I don't think people are going to be mad at Snoop. Like, nobody's going to be mad at Uncle Snoop. Like, we're just not. He and rolled up the next day. Everybody was like, well, he, <laughs> he back. said what? I said he rolled up the next day. Everybody was like, he back. See? Yeah, yeah. You know, and so he probably gained additional audience versus lost his audience. Um, so that's just my quick little like two cents about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What about you, Nick? When I think about the, so we watched the commercial, like my husband and I were watching TV and the commercial actually like came on. And so he says something like, I'm not like using a, a stove and like something to like that connects with the fact that he said that he wasn't smoking anymore. Something like I'm not burning in the kitchen or something to that effect. So I'm I was like, oh, okay, this is the continuation of like what you told all of us. Like you are now using this like smokeless stove or it, it looks like a fire pit from the commercial, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so I am always fascinated in the way people can use things and spin things. Um, so I think to your point, I, I think it's like really cool. And the result that they got, I, Snoop is one of those people that's like, my grandfather knows Snoop. Like you can't, it, you can't not find a person who doesn't Damn. at least have yeah. heard of him. At, they haven't have heard of him at some point. I don't view that particular part about <clears throat> as inauthentic because 
it doesn't like like i said it connects i think mm. people that say they are endorsing a, a brand or a product and they don't actually like actually i hate this product but they gave me money and fine like i don't like that because you are sending people off you not you're not giving them um something authentic to look to and i think people like really they really are looking to celebrities and influencers to give them guidance and i'll use a personal example my husband and i are trying to look at different car insurance because the one we have is wilding mm -hmm. and so i went and looked at the general because Shaq has been working with the general for years but i also know through following Shaq and watching his interviews that he will only work with companies that he will use himself. So the ring door camera, the the general, all these different companies that he has worked with over the years, he also has worked with himself. But I know everybody isn't like that. So I don't know if that entirely answered your question, but that's- No, that's good. We are going to now go to our next segment. Danielle, you're going to have a pop quiz. Oh, let's go. Hope you're ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. I just got my coffee. I'm going to do it. Okay, see, there we go. <laughs> now you want to kick us off? Yes. Um, Who will play you in your life story? <laughs> oh, this is not like a, you got to think about it. Who would play me in my life story? I want her to be somebody black. Um, who? I say nothing. Uh, uh. <laughs> Somebody said something. Oh, uh, okay. I was trying to see. Um, Taraji? Taraji P. Henson, apparently. Okay. Yeah. Taraji. Okay. Yeah, she's so you like her. Yeah, Taraji. All she right. <clears throat> Describe yourself in one word. Unique. That was too nice. easy. Was it was. <laughs> I've had to do that one. <laughs> what was your favorite subject in school? Um, language arts. Mm -hmm. Language arts, like the English classes, the writing classes, those were my favorite subjects for sure. All right. What is your favorite type of music? Neo soul. Mm. I love me some Neo soul. Yep. Okay. Okay, so what is the best concert you've been to? The, I actually have not been to many concerts. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I haven't been to many, many concerts, actually. Okay. Yeah, wow. I don't know one. Okay. So what is one subject you would like to learn more about? Definitely investing. Uh, investing anything financial that helps you create legacy generational wealth those are subjects that have been i don't come from it mm -hmm. so it's been challenging to really tackle those to be honest especially being a business owner like those yeah. Yeah, any of that kind of investing would, would would be it okay what has been your favorite age so far <clears throat> Ooh! Um, this, this Jordan year, 33, mm. 33, 
my um not Jordan, Jesus year. My Jesus year. I mean it's 23, 2023, so it's still Jordan year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I call it my Jesus year. I think okay. this has been my favorite age. Okay. Yeah, this age all the pieces came together. Mm. I love that for me. Okay. If you can have an unlimited supply of one thing, what would it be? <laughs> My initial answer is food. Um, oh. But, you know, I guess we got to go smart with some money because we got to, you know, we want to feed the family and stuff like that. But food, I love me some food. I love to okay. eat. I'm a foodie. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like, let's try all the things. Yes. Where is one place you'd like to visit? Mm, Greece. Oh, Greece. Santorini. Okay. Yes. I want to go all all of those like islands over there would be absolutely amazing. Okay. If you could be any animal, what would it be? I would be an elephant. I love elephants. I think they're wise. I love the wisdom that comes with elephants. I think the texture of their skin kind of showcases their story and stuff like that. I really love uh, elephants. Yeah. Okay. Okay. If you could bring back one TV show for one more season, everyone in their prime, what show would you pick? Scandal. I'm watching Scandal right now. And I'm getting to this space where I'm like, don't end, like, don't, don't do it to us, you know. Mm. What are you watching that? I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to jump back in there. Jump back in Hulu. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hulu has it. I don't have a commercial free Hulu. I can't do commercials. Netflix. I love commercials. They keep me humble. <laughs> <laughs> Not, how do they humble you? Expand. Because <laughs> I gotta be. I gotta wait. I gotta be patient. Like I can't have. I mean, obviously Netflix doesn't have commercials, but like the wow. streaming services that I have with commercials, it's like, no, girl, you're not there yet. You gotta sit here and wait for the the next segment. At some point, I do hope that all my streaming services are commercial free, but for right now, yeah, I don't, I don't, <clears throat> I also don't pay for Hulu, so. I can't really speak on somebody, you know, it's free for me, but, um, it, it's, I've been away from commercials so long. It's like shocking. Like, it'd be like, what's, what's happening right now? Like, so, yeah. um, that's hilarious. It's on Netflix too, though. I'm pretty okay. sure. Okay. Cool, How cool, to cool. get murder in, in Canada. I think they're both on Netflix. So right now I'm in the Charmed universe. I'm rewatching I Charmed. Charmed. I love Charmed. But Scandal might be my next binge. <clears throat> Wait, are you watching the remake or the no. original? Mm-mm. The Never original, watching. right? Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't honor the remake. So. Yeah. If you were to write a book, what would it be about? Um, if I were to write a book, it definitely would be about my life journey, for sure. Um. God has worked in so many mysterious ways, to be quite honest. And mm-hmm. so the unfolding um, and the desperation of inviting God and allowing him into certain spaces in my life has a lot of lessons. So, yeah, it would be about myself 
<laughs> that sounds very self-absorbed. No, but no, no. Like, yeah. Tell your like story. The work, the spiritual walk, the emotional, the mental walk, just to mm-hmm. be able to help um, share the value of like holistic wellness to specifically our people, but mm. to everyone. But I'm very passionate about sharing um, kind of like those holistic sort of areas of our life with our people and therapy and mental health and like Mm -hmm. so i would demonstrate it through my own walk first okay may the church say amen 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 church (laughs) all righty so before we go back to barbie road to the origin point at pearson town elementary I have a question for you, Miss Unique. Yes. If we gathered all your teachers in a room, <laughs> what type of student would they say you were? Um, they would say good things, probably. They would say teacher's pet. <laughs> I was always very helpful. I was always like getting everybody together, like wanting everybody to be on the same team. And they would say peacemaker. They would also say talkative probably loud. Um, Definitely, I was like a social butterfly. Mm -hmm. So they would probably say like, maybe during inappropriate times, like conversation and stuff on the other side. Um, But they would also say words like very genuine, wise. They definitely would say wise. Um, Yeah, paid attention, took initiative, those sort of things. Okay. They not talk too much smack. Okay. You paid yeah. them off well. I appreciate that. Good. Ah, that fifth grade teacher got <laughs> in my butt one day. Uh-oh. My fifth grade teacher was like, she took me outside. Her name was Miss, Mrs. Strickland. She took me outside the room and she was like, you don't come from this. She was like, you're in there trying to act like all of these other kids. You come from a good household where like your mom is in the school system and mm. you are like being in the stuff with everybody else. Like, you like basically like you're not about that life so stop acting like you are about that life it's okay you don't have to you know like you don't have to be in that like you're a good a good kid and i, um, I think we all went through that phase when e first dropped that scorpion album it was like around that time <laughs> you know we all thought we was knucking and bucking yeah. and ready to fight okay yes yeah. so you know this whole time i thought you were from virginia nope <laughs> I see you I got. You know, I, I, I know, but you know, we had that had that VA connection. Yes. Um, so talk to us about your time, the beginnings in North Carolina, hmm. North Kakalaki, <laughs> you know, elementary, middle school. So like we don't have too many middle schools around here. So like I'm always interested in like you middle school folks. Tell us <laughs> about your time. Okay. What, what you mean you don't have middle schools? It's just elementary. It's just like K through eight. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, See, she was like, what do you mean? Yeah, we yeah. stopped going to school into high school. We just. That's we why just, I'm like, y'all got the skip. <laughs> internships. We just had, we got to work. middle schoolers <laughs> earlier this year, and it's very important. All right. All right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I'm originally from upstate New York, actually. I'm from ah. Rochester, New York. Yeah. And so I moved from there when I was probably like two or three 
Um, and then we moved to Durham, North Carolina. Then we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. Then we moved to Virginia. So I um, went to preschool in New York. And mm -hmm. then I went to, um, I think I started, what was that, kindergarten and first grade in Pearson Town in Durham. And I, I did, I think that was like first through third or like second grade. I meant kindergarten through second grade mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. Town in Durham. And then third grade to two weeks of sixth grade in Charlotte, in, I'm sorry, it was Charlotte first, then Durham. Mm -hmm. And then I did sixth grade through high school here in Virginia. So I kind of of school in like. So how was that? Like bouncing area. around? Like I went to one school the whole time. So like, how was it? Like, do you like making those connections or like? Yeah, it um it was hard. Mm. It was hard because those are years and times where you meet best friends and you're like developing friendships and. Um, everybody has done school together. So it was really challenging, honestly, to like fit in. And that is a part of like what that fifth grade teacher was saying, like you're trying to fit in and you don't fit. And she was saying it in a good way, but little did she know that was like a lot of what was very challenging for me um, as I was raised. And we were always going back to New York. And so like my cousins would be like, why you talk so white? Like, we don't understand. You sound so white and so proper. Da, 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 da. And then when I would go home, I would gain my accent back. And so then I would be immersed into areas where people are like, why are you talking like that? Like, why are you talking black? Like, why are you, you know, judgment and stuff like that? And when I moved to Virginia as well, like there's literally Confederate flags right down the street. So in middle school, I was around kids saying the N word that were not black all the time. Yeah it had to become a part of normalcy for me because I couldn't fight the world. I couldn't fight everyone. So I experienced a lot of racism. That's aggressive. A lot of discrimination from my people and from people who didn't look like me. Yeah, because I was never black enough for the black people. I wasn't white enough for the white people. So my journey in life has really been shaped by that. And I started calling myself a cultural chameleon because I just, you know, if we're talking about the good qualities of it, it made me very adaptable. It's made me very insightful. I can be in a room amongst, like with anybody and have a conversation and have a connect, a deep, meaningful connection point. But as a child, it was very hard. Um, and you guys can't see, but I have like lighter color eyes as well. And so I always, that was another thing that people like picked at with me. like. Oh my gosh, are you wearing contact? I remember one of my earliest memories was like, I was in um, Walmart with my mom and somebody was like, why you put contacts in your daughter's eyes? Blah, blah, blah. My mom's like, she's a kid. Like, why would I do that? And for some reason that stayed with me and it was one more thing for people to kind of identify me as and interact with me in an interesting, not so great way. So, <laughs> um, but I was very popular. I played a lot of sports. Like uh, we were pretty talented. Um, like my brother and I, my, my younger brother and I, my mom kept us doing everything. She kept us in church. My dad didn't believe, but you know, we always went to different churches. But as far as like 
growing up, I used to always like be envious of people who like, you know, when you go to people's houses and they they um they have the different heights that they've grown. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something that, you know, I didn't have by, you know, moving to a lot of different places. Um, but at the same time, I've I've met people from a lot of different walks of life. I've been able to form like really deep connections and relationships with people that don't come from my background. And so some of the challenges that other people have when they only stay in one place, I don't really have those challenges. But as an adult, you know, trying to form meaningful friendships and having like best friends and some of those things that are just like, you know, important. I didn't Mm. develop those because I always moved around. Mm. Yeah. Or people were always kind of judging me because they didn't know me because I wasn't, you know, I I didn't know all the things that everybody else knew. Like people seen one another grow up and they know their like love life and they know, you know, there's a different type of friendship there. Mm. Yeah. Can I ask one question? Like, were yeah. you moving because of like opportunities? Like your parents are like, oh, I got a really good like job in Durham. And like now I got a really great job in Virginia. And like we are going to just mm-hmm. like make it work because we where the opportunities show up. Yeah. So um, it was really my dad's job. So he upgraded cable. So originally my dad was in the military. My parents have been married for 43 years. Um, okay, shout out to them. Yeah, yeah, Amen. No. Um, yeah. So um, my mom was married when she was 18 years old and my dad went into the military. And so, you know, one of the only ways for us to really get out usually is like um, being a rappers or like, you know, athletes and all those things are really great. But military was another one of those opportunities for black people. And mm-hmm. so my dad took my mom um from new york and then they wanted to raise their give their children a better life so the skill set he had from the military um he upgraded cable so once it's done in a certain area you move Mm. so it's like three to four years at a time um and then you move and so when we landed in virginia though um something that i'm i feel so blessed happened um but my dad was it was time to move again, I think maybe around middle school or something like that. And my dad ended up quitting his job because he wanted to be there to raise my brother and I. And so it changed. It was a little, it was a harder life, but you know, when does a black man do that? You know? I was gonna say, can we just talk about a black father prioritizing his children and like presence being a priority? I think sometimes with men, like we, I mean, on Instagram, there's all this stuff about like, you know, the the worth of a man. And like, I just always love Mm -hmm. to see when like men put emphasis on like presence for their families and their children. Like you can make more money. You can make money at a different time in your life. But like those formative years and making sure like you there, I like shout out to your daddy girl. That's amazing. Thank you. I always feel blessed that he made that sacrifice because it was a big sacrifice that really shaped us, too, because we actually were in a very small town. So there weren't opportunities. And so it was it was a sacrifice for sure. Definitely. But, yeah, go, Dad. (laughs) Okay. so uh, then you end up at Fort Defiance High. 
high school. Yes. Talk to us about your time at Fort Defiance. How was it there? Yeah, so Fort Defiance, the um, mascot used to be the Fighting Indians, and it was very representative of the area that I was in. Um, I was one of three black kids. Yeah, at my school. Every time you talk, it sounds very aggressive. I don't (laughs) like it. Yeah, it, it is not your typical black experience. My life has not been that. Um, And there's a day that's called Tractor Day where people bring their tractors to school. And during hunting season, kids are allowed to not come to school. It's normal. This that that's the a little bit of the context of. Look at Jeremy, you look (laughs) fast. You look stressed, right? <laughs> I don't I don't like none of this, but okay. Yeah. Um so I was um I ended up being in varsity. I used to compete at a high level of gymnastics and when we moved to this area, they didn't have um that level of um competition. The next level I was going into was um competing in the Olympics and the closest place to be able to do that was 45 minutes away. Anyways, the talents that I had, um, I ended up putting those into cheerleading. It was the next closest thing. And so um, I was on varsity, like the first person on varsity very early um, on. And so the experience that I had looks different than some of my other, well, the other two like black people in high school. Um, We were well known, you know, black girl, pretty eyes, well-spoken doesn't act like the stereotype. I got those things. Like, you're a pretty black girl. Like, I got those things um, quite often. However, they had become normal to me at that point. So we'd always gone back to New York and stuff, but microaggressions and macroaggressions were, um, at the time, I didn't recognize, you know, everything that was happening until I was older and I went to college at George Mason University. And then I'm like, oh, wow. Racism, you know, has been a thing. But because I was a popular kind of cheerleader, I um, didn't have to experience as bad of a walk as that is. Mm. Um, But I was in a lot of clubs, always leadership positions, cheerleading captain. Um, Yeah. What else in high school? Um, I just want to say, you, oh, oh, sorry, no, go ahead. go ahead. No, no, no. Do you think? Ask your question. I was going to say, did you feel like <clears throat> when you reflect on that experience, did you feel like some type of um, like internal, pre- like you were putting pressure on yourself to like be a leader, be a cheerleading captain, like to make sure like I'm checking all these boxes and I'm doing I'm at the top of the top in all things because mm-hmm. I am the black girl. Um, definitely along at some point. I don't know if it was high school or middle school, but I definitely had a drive to not be the stereotypical black girl. I had a drive to create a different narrative for our people as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted you know, white people and other people to be able to see that we're more than just 
what they stereotype us as, especially in being an air, you know, being in an area where I'm immediately stereotyped. But then people are like, as soon as I open my mouth, people are like, oh, wow. Whoa. I'm like, we all are. Wow. Whoa. Like, you know, you don't you just don't approach anybody else unless they look like safety to you, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can definitely say probably some of those things drove me um, to achieve, to be high achieving, um, along with my mom was definitely a a person that kept us and like do all of the things. And she wanted better for us so much in those ways that I think she put us in a lot of different things. So like I did track, I have a record at my high school. Like at one point I did track and cheerleading, but I did competitive cheerleading, football and basketball. So, and I did all-star cheerleading as well. Um, Yeah, track. Yeah, I, I don't know if at the time I felt the pressure but as an adult now, I I am healing those pressures mm. that mm. were put on me and that I put onto myself. Mm-hmm. And I've found myself, you know, these last couple of years as I've re um, kind of focused my, well, really just restructured my life to be able to facilitate um, learning areas that kind of have shaped me throughout my life and childhood and childhood trauma and stuff like that, those things are being revealed. So I don't know at the time if I, you know, was consciously motivated by those things, but definitely, Mm. I know they were, it was a lot of pressure. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you can uh, get to the point where you can recognize that, right? And uh, begin addressing those things. So you went to George Mason University. Shout out to the Patriots. Um, Could have been any other schools that you considered and like what ultimately made you choose George George Mason? Excuse me. Um, Yeah. So um, I was um, approached with scholarships to cheerlead in college. So I was a college athlete. Um, George Mason offered... um, a school in Georgia, Georgia State, I think it was offered and like Kentucky offered as well. Um, during that time, it was when they were really cracking down on flying. And I think it was like terrorism and things like that happened. And my great grandmother at the time was still alive. And so I wanted to be able to be driving distance to New York. Um, and so I chose George Mason so that if anything, God forbid, and didn't at that time happen, I would be able to get home mm-hmm. um, and be there to support them. And ultimately, that was my decision because George Mason did not offer me the most. Mm. Okay. <laughs> um, or were they the best um, in cheerleading? But that was the, yeah, it was definitely a family driven decision for me. Okay. So like, how'd you get your start in marketing? Like, when did that begin? Um, I'm gonna ask you this like big question and so you can kind of freestyle. So like, how'd you get your start in marketing, right? And then talk about like Black and Meta and how do those like marketing skills like translate to the work you do with them? Sure. Um, so in undergrad, I knew I didn't, 
have the financial means at the time to be able to go to grad school. And so I was trying to figure out how to maximize uh, my undergrad experience. And um, I think freshman year, I couldn't really decide, but I knew that my passion was helping people be able to identify like their goals and their dreams and like their their the vision that they have for themselves and and how to take that and I can shape it and produce it in a way um, where like they could see it come together and be brought to life. And so my undergrad, I have a BA in communication with the concentration in public relations. I have one minor in business management and then I have one minor in tourism and events management. Um, originally, I wanted to, I think maybe sophomore year, I was like, oh, I want to do marketing. Then I looked at the marketing track and it was like <laughs> accounting, finance, this. It was all these math classes. You didn't ask me what the, what the subject I liked the least was. And it was that one. Um, and so I was like, how can I create these skills and how can I get this, um, the experience and the skill set without going down that track? So I made it my own thing. And so... Um, that's kind of how that was brought about. Um, in addition, I like put on like 200 events in college. I was on like 10 different in 10 different organizations. Like I did a lot during undergrad. Um, and that's pretty much how I, how I was able to get started in marketing. I had the skills, I had the experience and I knew what my passion was, um, and so I've had a couple of different jobs in, in various fields, sales, um, marketing, comm. Um, and so, yeah, and I started working when I was 13. So oh, I say we got that in common, me too. Yeah. You too? Yes. Yeah. First job. My therapist was like, <laughs> when I shared that with her, she was 14, you were a baby. It didn't even connect to me. I've been working for like a long time in my life. No wonder I'm tired and burnt out, you know? Um, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, one of my jobs was being a sales director at a five-star resort in Dominican Republic. And so having those skills. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yes. Speed not fly past that. Your, yeah. your life as a Dominican <laughs> living in the Dominican Republic what all right we go we gonna pause on my questions all right how'd you get there yes. how long were you there talk about you know your experiences there yeah sure um so <laughs> they look so interested <laughs> um so in 2016 I think it was um, one of my old co-workers. He was one of my old bosses. He had invested him in one of his partners, business partners, invested in a property in Dominican Republic. And he reached out to me and he was like, you are our best salesperson. I want you to come out and be the sales director um, for this new project. And so in two weeks, I packed up my life and I moved across the country. Yeah. Wait, that yeah. you were in the DR? Yeah, Dominican Republic. I lived oh, there. Oh, so you were in another country. So how was life yeah. in the DR? Were the mangoes yeah. fresher? Like, talk about, you know. Yeah, how long were you there? Like, So I was there about half a year, about six months, a little over six months. 
um, for the project. And um, it was an experience that's probably, <laughs> we don't have time for this, but I also, I always say it's the best and the worst part of my life um, story. Because on the best side of things, you know, living in a third world country is spiritual. There's a different connection being in a country where they're they're in the people that look like you are in charge of your own government, I think allows you to have a different connection. It's really beautiful. Um, and when I went to Dominican, I was like, you look like me. And they all thought I was Dominican. And I was like, ah, ah, ah. Hold, hold up, hold up, hold up. It's the eyes. It's the, the, the melanin it's the plus eyes. the eyes. Yep. But their you, hair texture is actually like our hair texture. Like even the Dominicans that we see here, they for the most part may have like, um, you know, done something to their hair or I mean, they have a different varieties of hair textures just like we do. So it's people that look like you and I like same skin complexion, same kinks and curls, um, same body build, like, like because we all come from the same place. Exactly. Exactly. But seeing it that prevalent, especially now, you know, like my life experiences has been surrounded by a lot of Caucasians, even Dominican. Um, I mean, excuse me, even George Mason is a PWI. Um, and so we have black people and that's when I found my blackness. But seeing people that look like us everywhere was, um, yeah, it gave you a different level of confidence. Um, so the food was better. You know, the food was better. You could eat whatever you want over there. You ain't gain a pound. You only lose them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we had security. There's also like the people stand there with like guns, like big guns, like on the property. We had um, hundreds of security guards um, in Dominican Republic as well, which I didn't know, especially the area that I'm in. Um, prostitution is very popular. And a lot of American men go to Dominican Republic to get prostitutes that are That's very- a passport, bros. Yeah, I didn't know oh, that. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> and seeing, um, and in Dominican Republic, especially in that area, um, I forgot the employee rate at the time was like very, very low. Like maybe it was like 20 or 30%. Like people don't work. And if they do work, they're getting paid maybe like $2 an hour, but they're working like 16 hours a day. And prostitution is one of the ways that they work. So like the young girl will have these arrangements with people who are not from there and she's the breadwinner. She brings the money for the family and it's very popular. And I met a lot of black American men that came and they're like, we don't have women like you in America. If we had women like talking to me, like if we had women like you, then, you know, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be divorced. And I'm like, so what did you do though? Like, tell me the story. They have hatred for black women, black American women. I heard, I had a lot of conversations with a lot of black American men talking about how they hate black American, African American women. And that was something that I did not expect. And it probably triggered the whole like, no, we're not all like this. Like, you know what I mean? Like whatever you experience, like, and I would tell them like, tell me the situation. Well, it sounded like a you you problem or I'm a very fair person. So if it was something where but I was like, it's not fair for you, though, to create these stereotypes about us. 
and to come to another country and create these stereotypes about us um, to these people who don't know us. And literally one of my employees, she was like, um, yeah, like black American women are lazy and they um, don't like to take care of their men and blah, 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 blah. She was going in. She was like, they don't know how to take care of their men and they complain a lot and they did it lot, like all of these stuff. And I was like, who told you this? And she was like, the men that come here, they say all these things about you. It's, it's a very, it was a very interesting experience. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to transition yeah. back back to yeah. the regular schedule program. However, I will say, like, just in in all the ways in which dominant culture and white supremacy, like, just permeate the people of the diaspora and, like, pit us against each other, right? So, shout yeah. out to all black women, Dominicans included. So, yeah. um, so again, so that's kind of how you got your start in marketing and, yeah. like, but you know, then you find your <laughs> from the Dominican came back, <laughs> yep. and now you, uh, among many things, you work with Black and Meta, right? And like you were working with them when we met, and you all had some very interesting things going on. So, kind of like talk about what that is, and like what your role is with you know with them. So, um, with Black and Meta, I was the CMO and the co-founder of Black and Meta. Um, and it basically, um, at the time, we were a social impact organization um, teaching Black people about, um, Black and Brown people about the metaverse, the use of um, XR, AI, Web3, and et cetera, et cetera. And um, when the Oculuses kind of first came out, um, we were trailblazing um, that space and doing a lot of education and training and providing resources and tools for black and brown people to not miss out, not miss out on this new wave of innovation that is coming. Um, and so at the time um, I was acting as the co-founder, or excuse me, as the CMO. Um, I did co-found the organization and I was acting as a CMO. So handling all of the marketing um, for the business and our inaugural um, sort of launch campaign ended up garnering like 2 million views. The reaches, the reach impressions were crazy. We ended up getting a lot of popularity and celebrities and different brands and things were reaching out to us. And so that is, um, yeah, when you met me. And so those marketing skills that I had garnered as well as like sales applying mm -hmm. to um, that project. And so I want to kind of, you said something that is uh, foundational to what we do here, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the conversations Nia and I have, um, particularly like with our platform, what we're you know really trying to do, one of those things is ensuring that as these new technologies and industries, you know, are birthed, that there are, you know, black people, brown people, people of color there to uh, be included in the space-making process. And that always had to come in retroactively. And so, you know, just kind of talk a little more about, like, the importance of, you know, being a part of, like, that introductory package, right? Like, the metaverse was on fire, and here you are, 
like showing us like how this applies to us yeah um so which angle do you want me to kind of go from like the importance of yeah just like the you were uh you know you were teaching you were introducing you know black or brown people to this space and like why is that important like what why is that important that you know you kind of did that um i think that for our people um there's a lot of you know, we think about society and the lack of access that black people and brown people just have in general to um, certain resources and support. And um, for me, I'm really driven by making sure that our people, I think one of the things that kind of prevent us from being able to elevate is a lack of education and a lack of knowledge and I think that we are so talented and so brilliant that those are the two things that are kept away from us because once our hands touch it, it's gonna be on fire. And everybody knows that. Um, and so when it came, whenever it comes to technology or innovation, I'm very passionate about helping to make sure that our people are able to level up. And you know, generational wealth is just very important, being able to create legacy. And I believe that if we are able to have, you know, the knowledge and skills to whatever to whatever is relevant, um, especially like early on, then maybe we can like get on top of it and we can participate and get like a slice of the pie. Um, and so we all know that, you know, AI and the metaverse and all of these um, different innovative technologies that are happening right now, there's so much potential to make money, to help your level up and help you create legacy and you know just generational wealth for your family. And so I just don't want us to, to get behind and miss our mark on those things. Awesome, thanks, 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 thanks. Agree. Um, so you are also the founder of Unique Vision. Yeah. And so let us know what that is and what was the inspiration, you know, behind that? Um, so it's actually along the same lines. So mm -hmm. Unique Vision is a creative marketing house um, where we teach innovative um, marketing, but specifically like authentic marketing. Um, I believe that the space that marketing is going, they can probably contribute to this part of the conversation as well. Um, everything works, nothing works. The landscape is ever evolving. It's just not going to change, especially as technology continues to advance, um, as, as society continues to change, um, I think that the thing that can help increase the most sustainability with businesses and profitability is kind of going back to the drawing board and really figuring out and identifying the piece that makes them unique, going back to like the brand's inception and the business's inception and really taking time to create a strategy that is built from internal. Um, and from the space that it was created to do. And so with Unique Vision, um, I'm very passionate about kind of helping um, businesses go back and identify something that makes them different 
um, without all of these fancy kind of scare tactics and all of the other things we were kind of talking about earlier so that they can build a solid foundation. I think that a lot of business owners, you know, they fall into business. And so the pieces of their business that they're missing, it, it shows up at some point in time, whether it goes viral, you still got to backtrack and go back to some of that strategic planning um, of the business. And if you just build the foundation kind of solid from the beginning, then you don't have to continue to backtrack. You're just kind of innovating. And even in, you know, COVID was, if, if COVID taught us anything, um, it was, I think, well, COVID taught us a lot. Um, but I think that, you know, a lot of businesses and a lot of business owners, they're still bouncing back. And I've done a lot of um, workshops, presentations, trainings with, uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, um, and leaders and companies this year. And that's the running thing. Um, they are trying to figure out how to bounce back. And I don't think that things like COVID necessarily are going to stop happening because there's just a lot happening in our world. Um, but I think the bounce back doesn't have to be so um, challenging if they kind of just go back to the root and create a narrative um, that is from the heart, the heart and the essence of the brand and the business, um, because now we don't have to redo everything all the time. So I'm really passionate about helping that. Um, I've taught a lot this year on brand strategy, reimagining your brand, marketing strategy, um, content strategy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it, it coincides with my other elevated wellness brand, which is in my rarest form, because it's all about going back to who you were created and crafted to be authentically and teaching ambitious women how to then craft their life, how to navigate and show up in the world from that space rather than all of these experiences and trauma and, you know, things that have shaped them. So I do the same thing in marketing that I do in that elevated wellness brand, because I've realized that that's creates sustainable. It creates sustainability in both your personal and your professional life. And so helping to bridge the gap um, is very, very important to me and us that we need it. Okay. You shared a lot today. You shared a lot today from the, uh, you know, the intensity of living in, North Carolina and Virginia and your travels and your tropical experience in the Dominican Republic to being a pioneer in marketing and technology. And right now, there was a young lady, or a young gentleman, who was looking to also help folks communicate and connect with you know their authentic selves and helping brands and understanding marketing um and being a founder right all these wonderful things they're looking to be the next miss danielle um what are some things that they can do today to ultimately you know become somewhat, you know, you know, their version of what you are right now? The first thing is to start with self-discovery. I think that it's very important to discover what your purpose is and a way to start understanding what your purpose is and your higher meaning in the world. 
is to go into yourself and kind of just take inventory. What do you like? What do you dislike? What's working in your life? What's not working in your life? Who is helping in your life? Who's contributing to your life and to your growth? Who isn't contributing to your life and your growth? What are things about you that you love and you adore and you cherish and you value about yourself? What are things that you don't love, you don't like, you don't value, you don't cherish about yourself? And making a commitment to the things that you want to change, making a commitment to, to changing them without judgment of yourself and without resistance. And as you kind of understand your perspective of your own self, now what do we want to do with that? What do we want to do with that? And how do we want it to impact the world? Um, or, or, or yeah, really like what, what is the purpose? And so once you understand those things, let's now get some confidence in it. Let's own it. Let's stand on it. The good, the bad, the ugly, all those things, however you feel about yourself, stand on it and allow it to um, be something of value that you take into rooms with you. And after you do that, now let's learn some skills. You need to be able to learn different skills that you want to kind of use to allow you to um, reach the goals of whatever you're trying to achieve with your purpose. And um, yeah, I, I'm an avid researcher. So look it up. We can do it for free. OK. Or send me an email. You know, we could we could definitely um, I can help guide you and point you in the direction of that. Um, look at people who can add value to you and, and reach out to them and network with them, build connections, build relationships with people, um, and then take advantage of opportunities and create opportunities for yourself. Um, that, was, that was one of the pieces of where I am in my professional development is creating the opportunities um, because people don't always um, just give them. You have to, you have to work on the confidence and the self-esteem to be able to craft them for yourself. Um, yeah, skills, skills, research, reading is, is, is very important. Mm. Um, and then, you know, step outside of your comfort zone, whatever feels comfortable, step outside of it so that you can be able to be adaptable and okay with change. There you go. And as we land this plane, you mentioned something critical a great transition and that is reading so we do have a book club here where we ask our guests uh to add to the collective library right if you will uh my goal is to have the library that bell had in beauty and the beast and so i want them full of uh all you guys's books the ones that you are going to write in the future and the one that you've read in the past so uh, we're going to ask, what is the greatest book that you've ever read? And what is the last book that you read? The Mountain is You is the greatest book I've ever read. It's called, um, it's called The Mountain is You by Brianna Weiss. It's about self-sabotage and um, understanding what that looks like. It's, it is not as um, obvious as you think. Um, a lot of it has to do with trauma and things that shape your experiences and kind of condition you in life. And so I highly recommend that book. And the last book that I read, I believe, was Disruptive Marketing. Hmm. I forgot who the author is. I've heard of that one. Yep. It's a um, 
Yeah, it's it's pretty fascinating to me. Um, and the reason that I'm reading that is because I think that's where the industry is shifting. So many, the consumers, well, sorry, I won't take all the time, but consumer behavior. This is your show. You take all the time. <laughs> consumer behavior has changed. It is no longer predictable. I believe consumers are, they're like conscious consumers. So they see through all of the things, which is why mm. I teach authentic marketing to help business come up to speed with where their consumers are because they're behind. If you still think that they don't see you reading a script, they see it. Okay. Come on, and Target. Nice. Come on, Target with those prices. We, we okay. see the finesse. We see the finesse. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so um, I think that for marketers to be ahead, learning and understanding a couple of different um, disruptive marketing tactics can really help them innovate and shape some of their offerings um, and our businesses kind of adopting um, some of those different tactics. So I'm I'm looking into that and researching and reading um, disruptive marketing. And I'm also putting on a marketing conference. So mm. come on, um, plug it. <laughs> so I'm a board member for the African-American <laughs> Marketing Association. Um, they're based out of, thank you. They're based out of Houston. Um, okay. And they throw a, a, a marketing conference every year, um, a marketing summit. And so I'm chairing, I'm a board member, but I'm also chairing the conference. So I'm putting that on and I can't tell you the details because it's a surprise. Oh, um, but okay. after all of the conferences that I've been to this year and all of the conversations that I've had as it relates to business owners, their struggles and challenging challenges with marketers, I believe I'm, I'm very passionate about equipping people um, with the tools and resources and things that they need to stay ahead. So I'm excited to be able to craft something for other marketers, other people in our industry, other creatives and entrepreneurs, whether you're an entrepreneur at your nine to five or not, um, but being able to equip them with something that's going to be able to be like a toolkit that they can pull from mm -hmm. um, to help shape their different roles um, right now. Because it's challenging. We tired. Marketers, calm people, we tired. They're tired. They're burnt out too. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I'm okay. excited to share some of those new findings with them. So okay, um, and that's a wrap, y'all. Thank you for going on this journey with us. Uh, we want to give a big educational round of applause to Danielle for being here, for leading us and all of the disruptive ways that we too can be little little bitty marketers in our own lives, right? Um, before we go, tell the people where they can find you, where they can reach you if they want your services or you know, just wanna continue talking to you. Sure, um, so we'll start with website. My website is www.unique.com vision.com that is spelled u-n-i-q-u-e-v-z-s-n.com um, and right now we're we're running a cyber week experience um and so it's some little sales and things on the offers i don't know when this will be <laughs> when this will be up but if you let me know this is up i'll give you a discount okay um, all right and, it's gonna be up next week so we'll, we'll send it out yeah, we can do some run something for the holiday. Um, okay. So on there, and then on Instagram, it's Danielle Unique. On TikTok, we're one Danielle Unique. 
and um i think that's all the things are those the okay. things that, that yeah. i don't know <laughs> or shoot me an email i would love to to hear from anybody who's there if you want what's your email what's your email they can if they want to email you danielle d-a-n-i-e-l-l-e at uniquevision.com okay awesome and that is a wrap until next time keep teaching keep learning and keep loving y'all peace